Hey there, I'm Andrew Stokely. I'm the Jays sound engineer on the broadcasts here over in Canada. You're listening to or watching the Red, White, and Blue Jays podcast. Swing and a drive! Welcome to Red, White, and Blue Jays, the podcast home of Blue Jays Fans UK, a group connecting Blue Jays fans around the UK and beyond and telling their stories. And now, here's the host of Red, White, and Blue Jays, Steve Hunter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Red, White, and Blue Jays. Hope you're having a good week. Uh, really excited today about today's guest. Uh, I've had a little chat with Andrew over a, a little while, just trying to tie up a, di- a date for him to come onto the pod. Uh, really pleased that we've managed to finally track him down. I'm sure you perhaps won't be so familiar with him, perhaps as some of our other guests. Uh, So, Andrew, just as a broad brush introduction, just give us a snippet of your your role in life. And then what we'll do is we'll we'll rewind and just find out a little bit more about you and how you came to do what you're doing. But just as a as a means of introduction, just give us that little snippet. That'll be great. Sure. Uh, so my name's Andrew Stokely. I'm a television broadcast production sound mixer, or as we call them, A1s, and I specialize in sports broadcasting. The easiest way to describe what it is that I do for a living is that when you're watching a show at home, specifically a sporting event, I'm responsible for everything that you hear. That's, that's really it in a nutshell. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm tempted not to well, I'm going to try and control myself not to get too nerdy uh, because I, I'm really interested in what you do, how you do it, um, have a little bit of um, well, more musical background. So so understand sound to, to a degree. Uh, we've also got a good friend, actually, Elizabeth Hart, who works at 590. She's one of their imaging producers. Um, so she does a lot of the sound clips for the for the radio station and uh, heard a little bit about what she does. So I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of crossover in perhaps in, in what you do uh but before we dive into jay's broadcasts and talking about the jays themselves just give me a backdrop then to where you are in canada uh sort of growing up years baseball memories all that sort of stuff What, what what did that look like for you sure so i am based in the niagara region here in ontario or as we like to call it vegas north um i've lived uh, we lived we lived here for 10 years. Uh, I lived in Toronto for 25 and we moved here 10 years ago to uh, basically just move out of the city. I was tired of living in Toronto. Okay. Uh, my wife is my wife is from this area and she wanted to move back. And our son was only eight at the time and she wanted to give him a little more um, growing room, if you will. Uh, so we decided to be headed out here. And I mean, it didn't really bother me anymore because as long as I live close to an airport, or, you know, a reasonable commute, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I, I love it because when I come out here, if after a game or anything, I get home at night and I sit out in my backyard, I sit out front and I hear the coyotes and I hear the birds. And if it's super quiet, I can hear the falls. We live close enough to, to Niagara Falls that we can actually hear the water rushing at certain points of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know what, it's, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned radio. Um, my first love is radio. That's actually what I went to school for. Um, When I was 16, I actually started working at a radio station. So I grew up in a little town northwest of Toronto called Brampton. It's not little anymore. Um, It's got almost 600,000 people. Um, But in the 70s growing up, 
it was still a bedroom community for those that that didn't work in Brampton, usually worked in Toronto. Um, so there was a radio station called CFY FM 102, the spirit of radio. And it was Canada's first and still really only landmark radio station that specialized in alternative music. And my brother, who was four years older than me, was a massive fan. So I got exposed to them in the early 80s and fell in love with that genre of music and that type. And as luck, you know, I guess opportunity is what they say, luck plus plus preparation, whatever. I had been DJing in high school and doing a bunch of other stuff, and I knew I wanted to get involved in music. Um, that started when I first saw Star Wars in the theater as a five-year-old <laughs> in 1977, and it blew my freaking mind. And I knew I wanted to be in, in audio at some point. I knew that right from then. So kind of happens i ended up working at the radio station and i thought okay well this is where i'm going to go so i went to uh, i went to um university here in toronto called ryerson now toronto metropolitan university um and did their radio and television arts program and i realized about halfway through first year that being a radio jock was not what i wanted to be so i thought i would get involved in production and so forth and you know as luck happens i was actually then going to start doing re-recording uh, re mixing for films and I got involved in that. And a funny thing happened in the early 90s. A lot of the big recording studios and production houses were closing down because this new format called digital was coming uh, to fruition. And people didn't want to pay $15,000 a day for a studio when they could do it in their house for $15,000 total bill. So it was a real seismic shift in the way that audio production was being handled, not only in Canada, but in North America. So I realized that maybe that at that time wasn't a great decision. Um, and so I started doing some film work and started doing other stuff. And then it just so happens a friend called me one day and said, hey, the CBC is looking for some people to, and if people don't know, the CBC is like the BBC here in Canada, the Canadian mm -hmm. Broadcasting Corporation. Um, it was the 95 Molson Indian Toronto and they needed cable pullers, people who could run cable. And I said, sure. And that turned into seven years of working at the CBC, working on, everything from hockey night in Canada to CFL football to new specials. I got to travel the world with them. It was a, a really cool experience. Um, but towards the end of the, of the decade, um, I really wanted to start learning to mix. And sadly, the CBC was at, even at that time in the early or late nineties was starting to move towards automated or smaller shows. And so a, a TV station started up in, in Toronto called, report on business television. And I got hired on to do that. And, and I worked for seven years as their head morning audio guy. And then in 2007, I went freelance and went to the sports world full-time. And that's basically what I've been doing ever since. Amazing. So you obviously had a passion for it from, from an early age in terms of, you know, you, you went to Star Wars. So you're just about two or three years younger than me. So I remember that sort of experience. I was seven when I um yeah. all star wars in 77 i just turned 50 yeah just uh, congratulations welcome to the club yeah. thank you yeah <laughs> um yeah so you obviously had a passion for, for the audio and something you know in your heart and your head heard that was it the same for sport in terms of your love for sport uh because obviously what you're doing now is covering a lot of that so did you also have sort of similar passions for bringing those two worlds together at a young age nope i'm actually not a sporting fan oh right 
I was I, not I, expecting that answer. Yeah, I'm, and a lot of people, that's their reaction when I say that. Um, and I don't mean that I don't like sports. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I enjoy sports, but I'm not a sports fan. I'm not a sports fanatic. Okay. Um, I don't have a favorite team. I don't have a favorite sport. Um, oh. I just am involved. I, I mean, oh. growing up in Canada in the 70s, I played hockey. I mean, that's what we did, right? I played from the time I was five to the time I was, well, I still play, um, you know, just to, well, pretend that I play, but I enjoy this. <laughs> I enjoy the sweat more than the sport itself. Um, and I curl. Uh, I, I, I do three sports. I curl, I golf, and I play hockey every once in a while. That's kind of what I do. But to say that I'm a sports fan, no, I don't really care who wins, who loses. I just want somebody to win in regulation. Oh, uh, yeah. yes, because that's a big thing for you guys, isn't it? I I'm feeling very vulnerable now because of obviously what all the stuff I've got behind me. Uh, no, <laughs> I, it's funny because the guys I work with, like our producer, our director, our tape guys, a lot of our camera operators are diehard sports fans. Sure. Love and breathe uh, with with what happens. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, I, I want the teams that I'm playing for. And, and honestly... I mean, the Jays is the, so I'll backtrack a little bit in television. We have what we call properties. So I have the Jays as a property that I work on. And then in the wintertime, I do curling all winter long. So those are basically the two properties that I work on and they occupy my entire year. Basically. Do I want the Jays to succeed? Absolutely. Do I want that for many reasons? A hundred percent. I want the fans to be happy. I want the city to be happy. I want our ratings to be happy because better ratings means they're not going to get rid of us, you sure. know? So yeah, I want the team, but do I live and breathe with every pitch? No. Okay. Um, you know, so do I know stats? Nope. I'm not a propeller head. I'm not a numbers person. All I care about from a work standpoint, or is that, does it sound good? And that's about it. Yeah. It's funny because and we can get into this a little later if you want to. Um, but just to briefly say, when I'm mixing a show, if I get too involved in the content of the show, then I lose focus on what my job is. And my job is to listen to the overall, not to necessarily what the guys are saying. Yeah. So that's really tough when I'm training people too, you know, or, or introducing new people is that my focus isn't on what's happening in the game. My focus is on what's happening all around the game. Because if I start to draw interest on what's happening on the field and what the people are saying and what's going on, then I lose what's really important, which is listening to the director and listening to my producer telling us where we're going. Mm. And audio always leads. It never follows. That's that's yeah, that's a good, good phraseology. Right. Okay. So not, not a massive sports fan. Um, I'm just you know th sort of realizing how dominant obviously hockey is in Canada. Um, Big, yeah. So yeah, huge. In terms of baseball, uh, okay. Your earliest memory is of Star Wars in '77 when that came out. What do you remember of the Jays being birthed in '77? Also, in terms of your young memories, huge. My my dad and my mother were both huge Jays fans. Right. Um, we had a cottage like most people up, you know, in Canada. Yep. And when we were up there, my parents were teachers. So we traveled the country as kids. Um, that radio didn't leave 1430. 
like my dad had that radio on all the time. My yeah. mother's favorite player was was Garth Orge. Uh, my dad's favorite player was Tony Fernandez. You know, it it yeah, I was surrounded with the Jays. You know, through eighty five through eighty seven, that whole era. Yeah. I was going to Rye High when they won the World Series in ninety one and ninety two. 92, sorry, 1983. I was in those, the chaos of people on Young Street. So when, when Carter hit the home run, we were living on a condo on, on Bay Street. So if people know Toronto, we were at what was called, we're at, we were at a condo tower called 633 Bay Street, which is right at the corner of Edward Street and, and Bay Street. We were on the 23rd floor looking over. So looking east towards Young, our windows rattled with noise. (laughs) when he hit that home run and we ran downstairs and we went out to the street, went out to young street. It took us three hours to walk from Edward street and young to college and young, which normally is about a six minute walk. Goodness me. So like, I remember all that. I remember the electricity of the city. And then I also remember what happened (laughs) through the bleak years. Yeah. Uh, the, The strike killed it. The strike killed a lot, uh, uh, for baseball fans in the city. Um, And it took a long time to recover, probably not until 2015, let's be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my first visit to see them play was in 94 and it was four days before the strike kicked in. Oh, Uh, so, yeah, I mean, literally, I was skinning my teeth in terms of ever following baseball, ever becoming a fan and and so on. So, yeah, I remember that very clearly. Yeah, Um, I mean... so growing up in Brampton, we used to like I would our parents would like my friends and I would as we were older, we get our parents to, to drive us down to the Kipling subway station yeah. in Etobicoke and we'd take the train in and then and then get off at uh Union and then get on the streetcar and and go to Exhibition Stadium for you know two dollar tickets sit in the cheap sure. seats at bleacher nights, you know. So yeah. yeah, I mean we used to go down and watch it and but the strike really killed that for a lot of people, especially yeah. me. No, absolutely. And I think I think, you know, there probably is a whole whole group of fans in that era that lost faith in baseball because of what happened. And then, of course, what we have ha- happened this season in terms of, you know, the, the lockout at the beginning. I said, oh, my goodness, are we going to go down the same road where, again, a lot of fans will fall off the cart? And uh, thankfully, it wasn't so long. I was prepared, actually, to be sitting out the whole season. Were we... We had a feel. We kind of knew about three years ago, four years ago, that this was coming. I think if COVID hadn't happened, I think it would have been a lockout for the whole season. Wow! I yeah. think they would have just shut it all down to mm. to redo whatever they needed to do. That's just my gut feeling. That's my personal feeling. But I had been preparing. I'd been putting money away, thinking that I wasn't going to be working this summer. I, I mean, and I'm glad we are because I mean, you know. Uh, I do okay, you know, but there are a lot of people who work in the stadiums, all the stadium operations people, totally. you know, students who are looking for summer jobs between university or whatever, you know, those are the ones who are going to really suffer, if you will. And, and I'm glad they finally pulled their heads out of their asses and, and organized it and also added those games on. So they didn't lose those six games that they had kibosh at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it was looking very bleak, and um, I mean, yeah. it's a it's an unusual situation because we don't get that in British sport. Uh, you know, this whole relationship between league and and and, and clubs and stuff in, in the same way. Um, and so, it, you know, looking in from overseas, it does seem a very frustrating process. 
for everybody. Um, and and clearly, you know, clearly ball players they you know like you felt, you know, when you were a young child, I want to do audio. These guys have grown up through their whole lives. I want to be a major league ball player, and 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 they can't clearly want to be sitting out for years on end, not not playing. Um, yeah, and especially uh, ones who are, who are in their prime. Totally, you know, whatever. Yeah. I do, I can't remember what the statistic is, but the average ball player lasts what? They hope it's to get long. to ten years. They hope to get to ten years, so they get their pension from the league. Yeah, you know, but unless you're that top three percent or four percent, that that is going to make your guaranteed major bucks. Yeah, you know, like like I think about you know Tatis Jr. who signed that what deal and now he's suspended. I, I guess he has to forfeit that cash, doesn't he? I would think. I would. It's I a, would think so because it's yeah. a PED suspension. And again, there's you know that's the other thing, but it's just that's I don't crazy you know stuff. yeah it's yeah. crazy stuff absolutely crazy stuff. Okay, well let's um let's start to dip into the life of Andrew Stokely in terms of what you do. So do you do you work? Do you work for Sportsnet or do you work independently and they buy your services in, as it were? Yeah. So I own my own company, okay. Stokely Audio. Right. Uh, and and I'm contracted by a third party called Dome Productions, which represents the technical suppliers. So they're the crewers for both TSN and Sportsnet. Right. Uh, and then I work for several other different um, providers or crewers as well. Yeah. Um, cause I do curling throughout the world. So I do some stuff for other, uh, other ventures and, and then independent people who just call and I happen to be off. So the majority of my yearly would say I'm probably 70% sports net. I'm probably 10, 20% for TSN. And even that's actually gotten a little lower, maybe 15%. And then the other 15% would be independent people who just right. call and ask me to do stuff. So Yeah. Like I, so I'm, I'm basically, I'm like, a, I'm the head mixer for the Blue Jays and I'm the head mixer for the Grand Slam of curling on Sportsnet. Right. So okay. those are, and that yeah. occupies basically my yeah. whole year. Yeah. I mean, c- curling is, I just would just dip into curling before we get back into the baseball. Uh, yeah. so curling over here uh, is played uh, mainly up in Scotland. So the opposite end of the country to where I am. Yeah. We all go mad for it every time the Olympics comes around. Yep. And then it's sort of subsidized. All the Scottish fans are now going to be shouting at the, uh, the their speakers because they, they clearly see a lot more than we do down here. Um, but generally, I think for most people in the UK, it's the, the Olympic four-year cycle that we get to jump on the bandwagon. And it, and the world go, or the country goes mad for curling. Uh, yep. And it's a great sport. I love it. I wish I wish there were more rinks you know, across our country so we could all have a go. Um, do you cover any of that Olympic stuff or are you just in the, you do as yeah. well? Yeah. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm like, say I, I work for whoever's check clears. Um, so I haven't, I haven't done the last three Olympics Okay, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, I didn't want to go to Beijing. Um, yeah. and also the, the Chinese, the CCTV were actually covering the curling. So it was the first time that a Canadian crew has never covered curling at the olympics since it's been a sport um north or sorry south korea uh i just there was too much there was some conflicts with the way the scotties and the briar was happening and so i agreed to do that in exchange for not going it's just it was just a a calendar issue um and then russia actually it's the first time my wife asked me never to do an event so i declined Uh, 
you know, when she, yeah, yeah. yeah, You know, in 27 years, she'd never asked me to not do something. And that was the first time she asked me not to. So I said, yeah, of course I'm not. Yeah. So I stayed here and you know what? I ended up actually working way more here than if I had gone. So, you know, it was, it was okay. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we are back for Italy. Um, and then I'm, I'm guessing, uh, if, uh, Calgary does get the 2030, uh, winter Olympics, that would kind of probably be my swan song. Um, Mm. and that would be a good way to go out on. Um, but we'll see lots of things can happen and change. Um, you know, and speaking of curling in Scotland, you guys just, uh, you know, Eve Muirhead, who I know amazing. You know, I think I I think she knew. I think some people knew that was happening. She's a wonderful person. I really like Eve a lot. Uh, And what and if you're going to go out, go out as the as a triple threat gold medal, you know, Olympic gold, world gold and mixed doubles gold. I I mean, come on that Mm. you can't you can't write that ending. So why not? Yeah. Um, You know, so good for her. It sucks for uh, UK curling if you will because uh there's nobody else on the women's side sadly um, no because so- a couple of them uh well so Vic, um vicky has retired as well yep um and Anna uh, Sloan I, I, retired yeah you know so it's it's, it's going to be a long time you've got some great men on the on, yeah. the, on the scottish Bruce, team bruce and his team bruce and the boys yeah you, yeah yeah mallet yeah. mallet and his boys are going to be around for a long time yeah but you know, this year will be an interesting year only because uh, it's the first year of the four of the new four, uh, the quadrennial. And I think, you know, some of the teams when I saw were coming out, I was like, huh, really? OK, we'll see how this goes. So I think there's going to be some changes that will occur again after the one year, because in Canada, the CTRS points, which is what calculates people who get invited to the roar of the rings to qualify to go to the Olympics, they don't kick in for two years. So there is some, I'll, I'll, there will be some changes for sure. I think after the season, sure. um, but it, it should be pretty good. Our first event literally starts the day after the last Jays homestand. So right. if the Jays don't make the playoffs, which of course I hope they do. Uh, if they don't make the playoffs, then I literally leave on the third in the morning. I'd have to drive to North Bay for the first curling event of the season. Uh, wow. So there's no rest. Normally I take all of October off, but um, yeah which is why I just took most of August, August off. off. It was, it, it was yeah. my uh, switch, if you will. So yeah. Totally. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Right. Then talk to us then about a life or a day in your life doing a Jay's broadcast. Um, what, what does that look like for you? How much prep do you have to do before the game? What, what are you actually mixing? Just give us a bit of a feel for, you know, all the inputs that are coming into your headphones um, and what are you looking to try and produce in terms of your audio complementing, I guess, you know, the visuals that are coming from, from the camera guys. Sure. Just so give us a little bit about. Yeah. Um, so my day starts, so I'll look at it as, as if we were just coming in to start a new homestand. So I'm not sure when this podcast will air, but our next homestand is August 26th. Yeah. Okay. Right, Jay's- before then. Perfect. Well, the Jays are going to like they're finishing up in New York. So recording this on Sunday, the 21st, they have a day off tomorrow. Then they go to Boston for three games. So on on the 26th, they're back home. So it's a setup day for us. So we have to build our TV mobile from scratch again. So my day would probably start around 1030 in the morning. 
and I'll get there and I will build the truck. The truck that we have, I've used before this season on Jace. So I'll have what's called a board file and I'll have an intercom file. I'll load those and then I'll start to actually build the show. My A2, so A2s are guys who work uh, for me and they're outside the truck. They're the ones that put all the mics on the field. They're the ones that build our booths. They're the ones that interact with the building if there's a problem. They look after the talent on the field and those guys will come in for one and they'll start doing their um, setup. And luckily the guys who I've had, so my 1A2 in my booth who we call Chum, uh, he's been doing this since 1989. So wow. he's been through all the highs and he's been through all the lows um, and he looks after our booth. And then the guy who looks after my field is SMJ. Uh We've been so we've as a three of us, we've been doing this show now for eight years together. Um, and I've been doing this show since 2007, mixing it full time since 2009. So Chum's been with me with that, but Sean's come afterwards. So they go and do their stuff, and we build. And then about 3 30 in the afternoon, we do what's called a fax, so a facilities check. And we'll go through every mic, we'll go through every input that I have, make sure everything is sounding okay. We'll check IFBs. So for people who don't know, IFBs are what called interrupt foldback. They're what you see the little uh, in this things. little thing in your ear. Yeah, yeah the yeah. in ears. So that's how we talk to them. They hear their mix, and then we also can talk to them and interrupt that. Um, that's how they also hear the studio. So if 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 um, Dan and Buck are doing a hit with the studio with Joe and and Jamie, that's yeah. how they would hear that. I would feed that to their ears. Then we'll do uh, any pre production that we need to do with our producer or director if there is any and then about 4 30 we'll go and have a, a little bite and then come back about 5 30 and then we start actually doing our full pre-production at six o'clock if we have any uh, pre-news hits uh, we'll do our production meeting where we all get a headset and the producer goes through what we're going through for that show uh, and then we'll record the booth hit if it's not going to be live um, because we send that to the uh, uh, the pre-show um, and then Hazel or Rash will do their on-air hits at 6.30, and then we're live at 7 o'clock. And we're live until the post-game, where we'll either do a post-game hit or not. It depends on what's going on with the news. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a long day. And then depending on how long the game goes, sure. you know, we're there to the end. Uh, yeah. and, and then we get up and rinse, lather, repeat, and do the next day. The following day, our call times are a little different because we're not doing that full setup. Um, but yeah, so that that's kind of how the day is. Yeah. So so for every homestand, then do you you say you're talking about building your 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 your, your booth and stuff? So does everything get packed away after the you know the Jays close up? Literally, because that is that because they're using Rogers Center for other events that that would mean that you can't leave it there, or, or what's the reasoning behind? Because that seems a lot of setting out and lots of packing away. Yeah across the you're season breaching, you're breaching to the choir the issue is is that the gear travels with the truck oh i see right okay. so, the, so the mobile leaves so we have a 53 foot tractor trailer that is a mobile tv station and it shows up and then it leaves so all the gear all the cameras all the all the audio gear all the booth gear all the monitors they are with the truck so everything gets packed up and and it leaves because it's going to do another uh, another show yeah. so yeah so that's that's the reason why True. now there are some things in the building that stay i supply a lot of my own microphones for the show so we leave those in um but in terms of headset announcers 
headset microphones, talent microphones, cameras, camera mics, effects mics, those all come out and then we we put in. The great thing about baseball, at least, is that it's usually the first day is the longest slog. And then it's pretty it's pretty even keeled after that unless we have problems. Yeah. Uh, so that's the only good thing. Hockey, you're doing that day after day after day after day after day. You're not you don't you don't stay in. It's set strike, uh, set show and strike. It can be yeah. a really long day. It's like hockey night in Canada, sometimes 15 hours. And it's go, 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 go. And curling, it's a two-day setup. So we have two days to set up because we have so much stuff that we build for those shows. Um, <laughs> and you'd so, think with curling, it'd be much more straightforward because, you know. You'd think, but we, you'd there's think, 30, yeah. yeah, there's 32 RF microphones. I have 20 ice microphones. I have 12 camera mics. I have 14 talent microphones. We've got six tape machines. It's so on a on a on curling. I have what I, I use 126 inputs on the show, so wow. I have t- 126 sources that come into the console. That doesn't include the 150 that go out of the console. So on baseball, I'm using about 75 to 80 inputs, right. and but I have way more outputs. I probably I have close if I'm just doing the quick math math in my head. I probably have close to 300 outputs that leave the truck. And so as the home show person, I'm responsible for all the effects mics in the building. And then that has to go to the visitor truck. So I supply all of my effects mics to the visitor truck. Mm -hmm. I also supply everything to the house. And then I also supply everything to MLB and MLB requires a crap ton of stuff that they want. So Mm -hmm. we're building uh, separate the house would also include the radio. So I provide the effects mix that the radio uses for, for the broadcast with Ben. Um, so it's a lot more outputs on baseball than necessarily inputs. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, because the MLB TV that we get here, uh, while it covers the sports net feed, there are moments during the game where, you know, Buck will, or, or, or Dan will say, I will go up to Jamie in the booth. And of course we don't get that because we've, clearly got a slightly different feed to what Canada are listening to. And, and yes. you're, and you're supplying all that audio going in different directions. Yeah. So we supply, I create a, a mix for MLB that they get, that they use in their broadcast, which doesn't include Jamie and, and Joe. Yep. And that's just, a, that's just a rights thing. Um, then I'm also, so I send, so just to give you guys an idea. So here's, I, I can tell you off the top of my head. So I have, what we call a left back crack. I have a right back crack. I have a first base pick mic. I have a third base pick mic. I have a low camera into the Jays dugout microphone. I have camera five, which is the swing seat that you see move that goes into the visitor's dugout. I have a Jays bullpen microphone. I have a visitor bullpen microphone. I have a left wall microphone. I have a center wall microphone. I have a right wall microphone. I have a set of stereo microphones on camera three, which is a uh, high first, which shoots into the Jays dugout. I yep. have a set of stereo microphones on camera seven, which shoots into the visitor side. So high third. And then I have a set of really big wide diaphragm microphones called uh, audio technica 2050s, which are a really wide set of cardioid. They're beautiful microphones and they sit in our booth just down. So it gets a full um, uh, uh, a capture of the crowd, if you will. 
Uh, and then I used to put it another lower pair of stereo, but we got rid of it because the building moved that camera. So I have no way of accessing that anymore. And so, yeah, so those are all the effects mics uh, that I have in the building that I yep. use to create the overall mix. Amazing. Is there, is there stuff that you get to hear? Uh, and I'm not asking you to give any way, any trade secrets and stuff, but in terms of when, when, when is it appropriate? I, I don't know. Let, let's say, you know, some player does some expletive and stuff. How, how do you suddenly cut that feed from the, the live mix? Or is it just, you can't do that. It's happened and it's gone. Usually I can. The problem with baseball is it's so fast yeah. and it's a wide field. Um, and sometimes it doesn't matter if I have, I can kill the microphones behind home plate and you can still hear them because they're being picked up on the crowd mics. It depends sure. on how many people are in the building. Yeah. So I try to minimize as much as I can. There's times where I, I'm guilty. Uh, my friend, Phil Adler, who is, uh, who's just retired, who was one of the senior sound mixers for CBS. So he did the NFL for 30 plus years, like really, really quality mixer. And he says, you know, I like candy. Microphones are candy. Sound is candy. And I'm guilty of eating all the candy. I want to hear as a fan, not just a yeah. mixer, but as a fan, I want to hear that noise. I want to hear what's going on in the field, but I have to be cautious because if it starts to, if it does start to get heated, I don't want, you know, full blown. I've had instances where we've had full blown expletives on air and I feel bad. I mean, you know, I don't want that, sure. um, but you know, it's it live. It, it happens. Baseball's not as bad. Hockey is the worst. Hockey's really bad and football is really bad. Um, curling actually has gotten really <laughs> filthy in the last cup. I'm not yep. going to lie. Yep. There are some salty dogs in curling. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think <laughs> curling's a funny sport because I think people are used to that. You know, I, I, I picturing curling without curlers wearing microphone or listening would be pretty dull it'd be boring is i think that's that absolutely i was going to say that's the fascination of curling is you get the com uh you get the commentary in terms of what's happening amongst the team members and there's of course a, a lot of you know skips down one end of the rink and there's a lot of shouting up and down the rink the building is generally fairly quiet yeah uh, so you do pick up all that sort of chatter and i think that's for us as a fan watching in makes it come alive and, and interesting with baseball, uh, they're doing more and more in terms of miking up players now. I know with the Apple um, TV um, yep. broadcast, uh, Santi was mic'd up on Friday night and so on. Uh, is that something that you would pr provide all that kit for him to do that? Is that something that, or is that something they do separate to you? Yeah. So there's two ways of, of how that works. So you have what are called national rights holders, and then you have regional rights holders. And regional rights holders have less bells and whistles to play with than the national, if you will. So when they sign the national deal, Apple would say, we want to put a microphone on a player. We want to interview them. Same with ESPN and all that. Mm. So they have the ability to do that. We don't have the ability to do that. Right. Uh, that would be something that Rogers would have to go to the team and say, hey, we'd like to put a microphone and an IFB on a person and, and be able to do that in game. Um, and to be all honest, I, I, I can't see it happening. No. Um, okay. Do, not, do not, a, not originally. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you think it's a good idea? Do you, do you like, because I, th I think there's two, two examples I can think of. So 
obviously Santi on Friday, just a mic on him. And we're just hearing what he's saying to those guys around him uh, versus what happened in the All-Star game when they mic'd up Alec Manoa and, and they're having a conversation with him, uh, yep. which I found that's a, you know, is fun, but I'm not sure I would want that in every game. Um, maybe for that sort of slightly unusual game, it, it works. Uh, what's your take on, is it a bit gimmicky or is it? I think it has its place. Okay. Um, And not only that is if you don't have the right individual, that could be absolute utter death. <laughs> Disaster. You know, yeah. most, most sports people are kind of dull and reserved, yeah. you know, but I thought the, I didn't watch the all-star game live. Yeah. I didn't. I watched uh, the Alec Manoa and I thought that was really neat, but he's also a big personality. Yeah. You know, that's where it works. If you had some dull person on there, like that would be, I can always, I always think of the, uh, the clip from the Simpsons where uh, Crusty the clown looks at the card and says, talk to the audience. Oh, this is death. <laughs> that's basically what's happening. You know, you hope that you get somebody and you hope you get gold, but most of the time it's just boring. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're so reserved. You know, if you watch hockey, every interview, they say the exact same things. How many times can you say time and space without it sounding like a recording? You know, there's, yeah. there's, there's no longer the Jeremy Roenick's, the Mark Messier's, the, the Kirk Muller's in, cause everybody's been coached by media people and so forth. There's no, there's, there's no personality anymore. You know, no one says what's really on their mind. They all stick to the same script. And I thought Alec Manoa was really good at that all-star. I didn't watch the game on Friday night because I was traveling home from vacation. Um, but yeah, to me personally, also, it just it's another element for something to go wrong in the show. Sure. I, I always wondered what, what it would have been like to have um, John Gibbons mic'd up. Because oh. uh, I, I think you'd have had your work cut out there in terms of... He's given, he, you know, he's, he still has given me my best, my, my best clip I ever got was the night that he got in the argument with the umpire and he came out and he said, you've been up drinking all night. That's still my favorite clip. And I just happened to catch that right on the, one of the, the right back crack as he walked out. And I, 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 he, Gibby was, was the best for a soundbite. And I just, I just saw this morning. So if you're watching this, John Gibbons now is officially on Twitter. I saw that too. Yeah, so I can't wait. I'm I'm gonna probably have to give that one a follow just just for fun. Yeah, yeah. I I saw it. Oh, is this a parody account? Is this really him? I was just like, it seems so unlike John Gibbons to to go into Twitter. But I think I think genuinely it is him. Um, certainly with the video uh, that he's done at the front end of it as well. So uh, yeah, no, I I thought that's definitely worth a follow and 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 see how how he does. But yeah, Yeah. I I think you know he would have been an interesting character, and I think you know for me some of those dugout conversations working out, you know, uh, clearly they wouldn't broadcast game plans and stuff, but, you know, making sort of key decisions on when to pull a picture out at a particular point in the game. And and I think those sort of insights for those of us who've never, you know, I've never played baseball. Um, I've only picked up it in terms of learning by watching, but I think right. it would be fascinating to, you know, understand a little bit more about how they can come to a particular decision on, a game situation. I like in-game manager interviews. I think they do add a lot, especially when you have a good manager like mm. a Kevin Cash out of Tampa or, you know, Joe Madden before he 
was ceremoniously dumped from uh, L.A. So I, I like in-game things like like that or Aaron Boone, who was a broadcaster, you know, on top of a player who can speak and who's eloquent and can really get across their point. Yeah, it's I, I think it's neat. I, I can't see it happening on our show unless uh, unless the Jays um, agree to it. Yeah. But for original show, even though we are national, we are still considered original broadcast. We just happen oh, wow. to be, we just happen to be national. Now that's for the shows. When it comes to playoffs and stuff like that, we are treated as a national rights holder. Uh, but there, there are so many rule. There are so many regulations. There are so many steps about all that. It makes my head spin when I hear our executive producer and producers talking about all of that. It's like, okay, what can I do? What can't I do? Mm. You know, that's that's really what I'm concerned about. At the end of the day, my job is to make sure the audio works, and that's yeah. that. That's yep. what I strive to do. Yeah. What what would equate for you a job well done? Is it that, I mean, I always think with audio, as, as long as you don't hear mistakes, it, it people don't notice it. Do you, do you want, do, does, that, does that make sense? It's that sort of, you know, you know when it goes wrong, put it that way. Um, otherwise, everybody just sort of assumes it's all right. Yeah. So if anybody's ever received an email from me, I've had a signature at the bottom of, at my emails that have probably for 30 years, it says no one cares about audio until they can't hear it. Totally. Yeah. And we are, we are taken for granted in terms of a craft. Uh, I like to uh, say that we are the wicked voodoo stepchild of the TV industry. Um, no one knows what it is that we do. They just expect it to be there. Yeah. And that's a blessing and a curse, if you will, because we're usually left alone to our own devices to do what we want to do. But then when things go wrong, that's when people kind of freak out. And then you try to explain to them what actually happened or what you're trying to do. And you get this glossy eyed look because they don't understand what it is that we're doing. Mm. A lot of people say that, you know, audio is 10% of the uh, was it 10% of the picture, 90% of the problem. And we actually, most of us wear that with a, ba a badge of pride, if you will. Mm. Um, because we do care. Yeah. Like we, we really do care about how our shows sound. Most of the audio guys in our country, and there's only about 18 of us that do what I do on either a full-time or a part-time basis. We are nerds, if you will. We do care about our craft and like we're, we're a pretty close tight-knit group if you will even though we don't see like there are guys i haven't worked with in five or six years but we still keep in touch sure so yeah i mean we talk about a lot of things and not only that is there's a lot of discussion between all of us about what is good audio it's yeah. very it's very subjective and especially about how you mix some guys like subtle effects some guys like pumpy effects some guys like to mix their announcers lower some like to mix it higher are you doing your show in surround are you doing your show in stereo that's going to be up mixed so there are lots of ways to do um, a mix. I am an aggressive mixer. Um, I want to hear the effects mics. And I want to hear our announcers struggling over the effects mics. The announcer should always be first and foremost. That was my dad. My dad always complained. I would get texts from him in the middle of the game saying, I can't hear Tabby or I can't hear Buck. It was, yeah, I know. <laughs> You know, and we sadly, my dad passed away in 2019 and I miss our daily phone call. I would call him every day on my ride in and we talk about the game the night before because he never missed a game. 
Yeah. Um, you know, so he would always say, well, I, I was having trouble. And my dad watched on TV with five watt speakers. So that's how I knew if he didn't, if he called me and said it sounded good, I knew that it, that meant one of two things that a, he had it loud enough to hear it and B he could hear Tabby and Buck or Dan talk. And that's all he cared about. Mm. He really didn't care about hearing all the candy and all. And I would talk to him and say, dad, I got these new microphones. He goes, well, I could hear Buck and Tabby. So that's all I cared about, you know? So I looked at it that way. If he was happy with how it sounded, then I knew it was a good mix. That's a good um, yeah. You, you know, I, I look at it in a few ways was talent happy with how it sounded in their headsets. Could they hear what they needed to hear and hear it well? So could they hear each other? Could they hear themselves? Could they hear the levels of effects mix? So just to give your, your viewers a little difference. So what you hear at home in the overall broadcast mix is not what the announcers hear in their headset or okay. what we hear in the truck. So I create custom mixes for each talent that we have on the show. So Tabby has his own mix. Dan has his own mix. Buck has his own mix. Hazel has her own mix and Arash has his own mix because they all want to hear specific things in certain at certain levels. Our producer and our director listens, listen to completely different things in their intercoms. So I make sure that they're all happy. If everybody can hear what they need to hear at the levels they want to hear, then I know that's a good show. Mm. Has master control called to complain that there's something going wrong? No. Okay, great. Have, has my phone lit up? with problems. Cause there are some times where people will message me and say, I've just lost the 4k audio feed, or I've just lost this thing. And then at that point I'll talk to our technical producer and we'll source things out. I'm of the opinion now, as long as it's leaving the truck. Okay. Out of my hands. Yeah. Um, and then finally, am I happy? Cause there are some shows where I, there's something going on and it drives me nuts. And I'm either doing a lot of knob tweaking. I'm doing a lot of, of up and down. Is there that one jackass in the in the crowd that just won't shut up? And there's nothing I can do because you hear it over every microphone because there's so little people in the crowd. And at those are the times where you're just kind of banging your head off the off mm. the table, you can't. You, no matter what you do, you cannot do anything about it. Mm. Those are the shows that those are the shows that really drive me nuts. Um, I'm my own worst critic. Yeah, you know, because yeah, I'll 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 hear things in a mix that somebody else would never hear. Of course. Um, I'll hear a fan noise or I'll hear uh, like the outfield radio being picked up on on the back crack microphones, which somebody, if they weren't listening for that, wouldn't know that it's there or that it shouldn't be there, I should say. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's kind of what I look at. I, as long as those people are happy, as long as the, the production people are happy, as long as the camera guys and tape guys and video guys are happy and then I'm happy. That's that's how I can tell if it was a good show. Yeah. I have more, I have better shows than I have worse shows over the years. And I've also learned to, uh, when mistakes happen, let it roll off my back. Yeah. There's nothing, we're live. There's nothing I can do. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how many baseball games I've obviously watched, um, uh, on the TV, you know, hundreds and hundreds. And I, I, I can't even off the top of my head, think of anything where I thought, Oof, that really went badly wrong. I think, you know, the level of broadcast quality, and I've said it to some of the Sportsnet guys I've had on in terms of what, what gets put out is so good. Um, and, uh, you know, it might tip my cap to all of you that are involved in that. And I, I think for, for the average fan, none of us have any clue, really, the level of expertise and the level of commitment there is 
you know, we see, we see the, the guy in front of the camera or the announcer, whoever it is, and that's our focus. But behind all of that are people like you who do this day in, day out and, and produce a, a brilliant product for us. Thanks. Always. And and we have a, an amazing crew. Yeah. Like our, if you look at years experience and passion for the game, like our two main producers, I main producer, a guy named Doug Walton, who, if you are on Twitter, he's at uh, Jay's producer on Twitter. Uh, and so he's our main producer. He's the one who, who sets the tone for the whole year and so forth. He is a baseball nerd. Okay. He was, he was a stats guy for CBC for a number of years doing baseball with Jim Houston and those. And then, you know, Scott Carson's been there for so long. Yeah. Scott's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then our director, Troy, who I spent a lot of time with, cause Troy and I do curling all winter long as well. Okay. So, you know, I think he cuts one of the best games in baseball, you know, our tape guys, uh, like our, our two lead tape guys who do our road games and our visitor uh, and who do our home show both work for MLB international during playoffs in world series and stuff like that. So there are a lot of guys on our crew and ladies, our camera ops, like our, our uh, one, two, three, four, we have ca- nine, we have nine, eight camera operators and nine, nine in total. Cause we have a guy who does all the little robo cams. He does five of those. So, you know, like Martin Murphy, who shoots the low first camera. So he's the one who shoots into the Jays when he's shooting. You can see all the Jays in the mm. Jays dugout. Yeah, he's yeah. been doing the show for 30 years. <laughs> you know, same with our high, high camera operators, our guys who shoot out in the field. So we have a real, real dedicated um, crew to the show. And you have to be like the baseball season is so long. Yeah. You know, we start having meetings at the beginning of March. And if they go, if they make the playoff, which I really hope they do, I mean, we could be going into the end of October, November. That's a long season with not a very long yeah. off season just yeah. to kind of decompress. Like, I think I'm going to be doing, I think when it's all said and done, I will have done 115 games this year. Goodness. Um, you know, not as bad as last year. Last year, I did 146 of the 162. Um, and that was a lot to do with COVID and everything that was sure. happening with like, I, we could do a whole entire podcast about how I produced the audio last year, which yep. I never, ever, 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 ever want to do again. Okay. I had, I had 13 different audio setups for the show last year between Buck at his house, Tabby at his house, Dan at, his, at the studio, Dan at his house. Then those scenarios in Florida, those scenarios in Buffalo. Yeah. And then those scenarios in Toronto where Buck was at his house. We were doing the games live. Tabby was in Tabby was in his house. I mean, it was an audio nightmare. There are, I woke up a lot of times last year. We're in a cold sweat thinking did, that actually happened. Like having nightmares about it. How did you um, deal with delay and stuff with people being in different places? How, how did that work? So we had some new technology um, where we got the, uh, the delay down to about, uh, 800 milliseconds up. So about 1.6 seconds up and 1.6 seconds down. So we had, a uh, the, the control boxes that Tabby and Buck and Dan could talk to each other had a separate talk back. So when on a standard box, you have a talk back button, which 
the talent can talk and it talks, it cuts their microphone and talks to us in the truck and we can hear them. So they had two buttons, one for the truck talk back and one to talk to the other. So they could actually hit that button and say to Tabby or Dan or whoever say I'm done and they could jump in. So because Dan did most of the play-by-play or most of the time in play-by-play, we delayed all of the feeds to sync up with whoever was calling the game because they needed to be able to see it in quote real time. And then the, the, whoever was doing call that night could then naturally seeing their feed with about a two second delay, a one second delay uh, could then react to it. But we needed to make sure that, that both Dan and, and Buck saw those games in real time. Dan saw them in real time because he was in our studio. It was instantaneous, but Buck was about a second and a half, two seconds, depending on his internet. Sometimes his internet kind of dip dipsy doodled. Yep. Um, yeah. So it, it was that we synced up everything to the video, to the audio delay to make sure that it was in time. And you know what? I think we pulled it off. Considering the, yeah. yeah. Considering the challenges. I mean, there were a few times where I was banging my head because I literally didn't have any control. I mean, I was sitting and even better. So, I, I mean, most people will know this. So what Buck and Tabby were hearing in their heads, I actually had no control over in terms of the effects. The home show A1 that we were getting that feed in is what they were hearing because that was the only way to get around the delay. If we had brought it into the studio and then sent it to them, mm. it, would have been, it would have been a disaster. So we had some, we, we had, I think we started in mid-February where I was working with the engineer to kind of come up with a plan. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, in all things said and done, you know, that first half of the season, there were a couple of times it was, it was a lot. And then when we came back to Toronto, you know, luckily the Jays were on the road. I spent four days with the engineers building all that stuff because Buck was still at home and we were, and, and we, uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was just it was, it was a lot let's put it that way i'm i'm i was so happy at the end of last season i was yeah. burnt i was really burnt at the end of last year and right. uh, you know and this year uh, it's kind of why i took this august off i wanted to recharge because i wanted to go into this final month this push which you know these last four games uh yeah. you know if they've turned a corner and it's going to be a hell of a finish oh man it's going to be i'm the greatest thing that baseball has done is had this wild card race because normally seven games back. Well, yeah. Thanks everybody. It's been a great season, you know, and then you watch the crowds go down and then that makes my job harder because with less people in the stands in a domed environment, you know, I start taking microphones out of the mix because all, all it's doing is adding fan noise and, and garbage to the mix. So you try and pull out and minimize that. Yeah. Clean it up. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. The, the, certainly, the, the the playoff running, um, the wild card running for the playoffs is is exciting, and it's great to see you know the Jays bounce back because they've had a, a a poor couple of weeks, and to be three up against the Yanks and uh, well, last game this evening um, uh, is exciting to to see. I, I think still seven games is a big ask because um, the Yankees won't be this poor. Uh, you know, through September, but we had an amazing, you know, we rewind the clock 12 months ago. Jay's had a poor August, brilliant September and all the excitement running into the postseason last year. So hopefully something is uh, around the corner. I mean, in terms of, I, I guess in terms of what you're doing, 
the fact of the energy that comes from a team that is pushing into something that is, you know, exciting as opposed to just dribbling out to the end of the season makes your job far more exciting. And and I, oh. I guess you're trying to capture the essence of what's happening, you know, in the ball in the ball club, uh, around the ground. I mean, I'm just thinking back to what happened in 2015 with Jose and I mean, what was that like? mixing that game well it's funny you should bring that up so in 2015 we found out at least i found out about four weeks before that we were not going to be doing our own coverage of the playoffs of course yes playoffs yeah 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 no, yeah absolutely. so the run up to it was incredible i actually still have on my phone i have a clip of the I believe it was the Encarnacion home run. That's that or the that was twenty sixteen. No, 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 leading up to the playoffs. Oh, oh okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the game where they were gonna. I think it was the yes. one where they were getting ready to clinch it. And I've got it. I've got it on my. I should send it to you just for funny. And it's a, it's a, it's a, a video clip of my meters in my room absolutely pinned at zero, and the sound of that stadium was unreal. Um, that run-up was amazing, which really sucked to find out that I wasn't going to be doing the playoffs. So I was kind of bitter. I'm not going to lie. I was a little pissed off. I was a little upset. So, um, I had three buddies and we went to Prince Edward Island for 10 days and we golfed and I did not watch a single minute of the 2015 playoffs. Wow. And, and up until this day, I still have not watched a single minute other than the home run because it's everywhere. Uh, yeah. about the bat flip i haven't watched a single game from that that 2015 <laughs> series man it just, just really irked me i kind of just uh, have a grudge um yeah but you know the i don't i i don't even know who actually mixed that show uh in toronto but you know it sounded good it was great yeah. all i you know? all i remember I, it was more it's more visually than perhaps audio wise um the camera shaking uh, I I don't know. Are the cameras like mounted on netting at some point? Because <laughs> uh, because literally the it, the whole thing is rocking with the you know the jubilation of what's happening in the ballpark. Yeah. So where the cameras were, they so they sit on a platform out in center field, and if if people are going nuts though, uh, and they start running around, they're not supposed to be in that what the, the batter's eye that black part yeah. out in center field yeah yeah but it, even if you, you get fifty thousand people jumping up and down the building's gonna shake sure and you know so and that's kind of what what happened yeah um it was mad next year will be interesting with the changes in the outfield the camera guys ask center, you about that yeah. yeah the camera guys are going to get their own little neat little booth uh, which is going to be isolated and separated. So we shouldn't have any shaking issues. I'm excited mm. for the plans. It's mm. going to look really cool. I saw them a couple months ago uh, and I was like, oh, this is great. The The elevated bullpens are yeah. fantastic. The permanent wall. So I'm going to get the, the, I'm going to be able to get some more microphones in there for next season to have a little more excitement in the, in the wall. So when they crash into it, I'll, I'll hear a little more, It'll be a little more isolated because I'll be able to put more out there. Um, I think it's just going to look very cool. I think it's, mm. I, the plans look awesome and, you know, be able to walk around and stuff like that. And I've been to, I think I'm now up to 20 ballparks out of the, out of the 
I haven't been to a lot of the national leagues because I don't do a lot of the national league games when they travel. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to look fantastic. Mm. And does that create a new challenge for you in terms of them redesigning a, a whole stadium in terms of we've sort of worked out how the, the sound dynamics in this place work and now that's all going to go out the window and it will i think it'll be because of the way that the they're going to open up a lot of that space they're going to take out a lot of glass yeah um and open that up it will be interesting to see when the roof is open it won't make a lot of difference because sound naturally travels up but when that roof is going to be closed, all that sound travels up and then comes right back down onto the playing field. And where those acoustics are going to be, I don't know. I won't know that until next year. Mm. You know, so that'll be that first, those at first homestand might be a bit of a learning curve for me, especially when the roofs close in early April yeah. um, and March about how things are going to sound and where I can kind of tweak things and maybe EQ and do a little things differently but honestly i won't know until i'm actually in there and, and hearing it yeah. it's going to be the following year so it'll be not that it'll be the 2024 season where they do all the changes to the 100 level where i think yep. it'll create the biggest impact because that's where the majority of people are sitting yep. and the way that they're going to be rotated so that will have an impact i don't know the final dimensions of what they're doing with the backstop um, how they're changing that and, and all of, all of those details. Mm. So that will be, a, oh, I'm hoping I'll get some time to go in once it's done in March of that year, if I'm still doing it. Sure. Uh, and I mean, I could win the lottery between then and now, who knows? <laughs> um, so yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, yeah. uh but I'm excited. You know, I, I, I don't think, I think a, sta a new stadium will come along, but it's not going to be in my lifetime. No. Uh, you know, um, and, and I don't, I mean, the dome's been there for, you know, yeah. since I was, since I was a teen. So, I, you know, I, I like the dome. I think they've done a lot of good jobs. I, th I think, uh, I think Shapiro was the right person to bring in. Um, and he's very nice and, and Atkins has done a great job with the ball club. Um, but I mean, Atkins or Shapiro was brought in for this project, especially, sure. Yeah. And, and, and they've got to get another probably 10, 15 years out of the stadium to do it. And, and they're putting a boatload of cash. Like I, I hope people realize how much yeah. cash they're really doing this all financed by Rogers. There's no public money. You know, the jumbotron looks absolutely spectacular. The, the television does not do it justice to what you actually see when you're in the building. It yeah. is absolutely stellar. Yeah. Yeah, I it, I mean, I, on opening day, um, I stayed up um, that night to to watch opening day game, and uh, yeah, all that sort of pre preamble to the game and and the the, the light show and every just the excitement that was clearly you know around, uh, and it looked great on TV. But I I can imagine actually being in there. I I need to arrange another trip out to come yeah. and have a come and have a look at it. Um, well, when you do, I can, I'll take you on the nickel cent tour of the TV truck and, and, oh, and that would be I, so cool. I can show, I can show you because as a Brit, you'll be happy to know that the console I use is from a British manufacturer called Calrec. All right. And okay. I'm, a, I'm an evangelical of the Calrec church, if you will, uh -huh. um, there and they're located in Hebden bridge. Yep. So I'm actually supposed, <laughs> I was supposed to be going to visit the tour in September. Right. Um, but we've had to delay that trip for a myriad of reasons. Okay. So I'm hoping I'll get there in the fall, later in the fall, maybe in early November. Oh, right. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, let, yeah. let me know. And uh, 
be great to have a beer with you if I can arrange yeah, something I'm, like that. That would be cool. Yeah, because I'll be down in I'll be down in London for a few days and then Manchester for a couple of days. Yeah, uh, and and then do that. So I'm hoping I'm hoping we can rearrange this time. My wife and I don't have any responsibilities at home as our son is about to enter university in two weeks, so uh, he's going to be gone. Well done. So yeah, yeah it's going to be a little bit of a a little bit of a change, a little bit of a challenge for her. Yeah, um, they're very close. Uh, so um, yeah, but I know he's excited. Yeah, very good. Uh, we've also got our son going off to university in September as well. So uh, we shall commiserate. Brilliant. We shall commiserate together. Um, but we have we Excellent. have gone through with our couple of older girls. So uh, yes, we okay. have we have we have done this trip before. But um, he's our only lad. So uh, I think it's a slightly different experience. Uh, to, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just excited for him. Great, no. brilliant. Andrew, it's so much fun talking to you. Um, I know we haven't talked really about the team and 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 stuff. I mean, just let's well, but perhaps let's close on that just quickly. Sure. Uh, you know, being a sort of slightly non-sports fan, but however, watching the Jays more than the rest of us do. Um, what's your what's your take on you know where they're going to end up this this year? Uh, I mean, postseason seems to be obviously the absolute must. Um, I think I'm sort of thinking, okay, what what do we think is going to happen? You know, once they get there, um, do you feel do you feel the guys have got it in them? I think they do this year, um, and and like you said, this is a must win for them. Yeah, I don't think I agree with you. I don't think the Yankees are going to have a a, a colossal collapse. Um, I think seven games going into the last 50 games of the season, whatever it is now, 40, I don't even know what it is anymore, 40 games, 42 yep. games. I, that's unless, unless you said, unless they, unless they just absolutely dive and then, and Yankee fans will go absolutely apoplectic. Um, I think, I think they'll win the division. I think the Jays will hold on probably to one of the two main wild card games. I think they'll host the wild card at home mm-hmm. and, if they play Seattle, that could be that could be a challenge. The only good thing about that is Robbie Ray hasn't got his shots. He still won't be allowed in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, if they can make it to the playoffs, they've got the starting rotation to deliver. You've got Stripling. Uh, sorry, you've got well, stri- yeah, Stripling. Yeah, stripling's stripling's been brilliant. I I think he's the he's been the unsung hero this year. Hundred percent of the pitching I, I staff. Absolutely agree with you. Yeah. You know, I don't think anybody was expecting hit. Well, he wasn't supposed to be. Do, let's put it that way. He wasn't supposed to be doing what he's doing and he's doing it and he's doing it amazingly. Yeah. And, and there's, the, you know, so you got Manoa, Barrios and Gosman as your starting three in the playoffs and yep. there's your, and striplings, your long man. And, you know, you can send Kikuchi to wherever you need to send him <laughs> to yeah. and be done with uh, your bullpen shrinks. Obviously, you know, your lineup should be tight. At that point, you know, it should be pretty firm. Mm. And, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff, especially on the Reddit uh, Blue Jays forum and some Twitter, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, uh, Bichette shouldn't be batting seventh. He should be batting. Well, you know what? He should be batting where he's hitting. Yes. And and I don't know enough about lineups and stuff like that. But if a guy's struggling, send him down. If he gets yep. hot, then leave him. I mean, Chapman was batting seventh to start. And look where he is now. He's hot. Unbelievable. You know, so you're you're I don't think we're in that Whamco situation, you know, where Gaston basically didn't 
changed the lineup card for the entire 92 season or 93 season. You know, mm-hmm. it was just posted every day. Here it is. Go out and play. That, 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 that era of baseball doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So I, I don't, I, I don't know. I think if, if Springer can mitigate his elbow and, uh, you know, stay healthy and the training staff can get him through the season, I think that's great. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. Seems like he's having fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, Merrifield seems like he's having fun. Yeah. You know, uh, they're, they're, they're in, in, I mean, they're infield Guerrero. If he doesn't win a gold glove at first base this year, mm. I don't know. Same with Chapman. The, uh, well, you know what? You could make a case for, well, maybe not Bichette at shortstop, but you could, you could make a case for Santiago Espinel at second totally. for a gold yeah. glove. Um, you know, Jansen's kind of come back down, but you know, not everybody's going to be a, a, a mower in terms of offense for a catcher. I want a catcher who can call a game and who can catch the damn ball. Yeah. You know, that, that's what I want. Um, and, and that's what they're doing between him and Kirk Kirk's your masher. Great. But if you get him in the lineup as a DH, you know, I, I think that whole bench will get shortened up. They probably might add another bullpen. We'll see what they're going to do here in September when they can, do their call-ups. I know it's not as many this year, right? I think there was changes about, about all that, about who they mm. can bring up and who they can't, which is wonderful because then your games aren't four and a half hours long. Yeah. Um, but I think they're, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they'll probably either hold that first or second wildcard position, host, host the games here in Toronto, which would be wonderful. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you kind of go from there. I don't think the Astros are as good as forecasted. The, 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 this, the central division, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not a fan of three divisions. I like the old two style division. Um, because the AL East is the beast. It's it, you know, yep. you can't, it, it should be, it should be your top teams. doesn't matter what division they're in. Mm. That's, that's how it should be. The playoffs yep. should be your top six teams or whatever it is between all three divisions. It shouldn't just be, the, the division winners get it because the AL central sucks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just not good baseball. No. And I think everybody sort of feels that certainly last year with obviously the Braves winning, um, if the Jays had got into the postseason, that they probably had a, a very realistic chance of actually taking that. And, you know, we know that the Braves record was, you know, was worse than the Jays and, yeah. and, and that's just how it's set up, isn't it? But I think it's exciting to think that we are definitely in amongst them. And I think get over that, get over that regular season line, get into the yeah. postseason, and then let's just see how life unfolds. Anything yeah. can happen in the playoffs. Totally. Just get to the promised land. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way we do it. Yeah. Brilliant. Andrew, thank you ever so much for your time. Really do appreciate talking to you. Uh, it's been a fascinating, well, for me, it's been a fascinating insight. Um, uh, just hearing about the amazing work that you're doing and with your team and stuff. And, and you know, we are the recipients of your handiwork and uh, you're very grateful for that. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed your time. I don't know, have you ever done one of these before? Have, have you been invited into other Jay's podcasts and stuff? I've done a few in the past. Great. Uh, and, and then I also, I, you know, a little plug for those who want to get into the world of audio nerdery, if you will. Okay. So d- during the Pretty pandemic, good. I actually uh, produced and uh, recorded 21 episodes that I called Idle Hands, Conversation with Television Audio Mixers. It's still uh-huh. available at your, uh, where I actually talked to the 21 
21, who I think of some of the best mixers in North America and around the world. And we talk about what it is to be audio people and what the challenges are and what our daily day looks like, if you will. And I talked to some great ones. I talked to Phil Adler. I talked to Fred Aldis, who is the godfather of audio, if you will. Um, You know, I talked to some of my mentors who I have learned with over the years. Uh, So if you if you're really into audio uh, uh, nerds, if you, you know, gear pigeon and stuff like that, we talk gear. We mostly talk about mixing philosophy and what it is, just what it is that we do. And yeah. how we get started. A lot of us came from music, you know, so and then moved to the dark side, as we call it. So, yeah, you know, that's I, I love it. Right. Like I said, I'm a radio geek. Brilliant. I love radio. And, yeah. And that's why I like doing podcasts. Yeah. Brilliant. Just get, tell us where, where all those social handles and bits and pieces are so people can find you. Yeah. If you want, I'm I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's at Stokely Audio. And same with Instagram at Stokely Audio, as well as if you're into barbecue and bread, I have my little hat that's called Frequency Bread and Barbecue. I was going to say about that. There's there's another little sideline going on in your life. Yeah, that's my that's my hobby account for uh, uh, doing all of my breads and uh, and smoked meats that I do for people and my own hobby. That's yeah. I was 50 50 culinary school or or radio. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and I kind of uh, I ended up going on the like I said on the radio side. Yeah. I don't regret it, but I love doing all of my cooking and stuff. Brilliant. Yes. Is, yep. is there some is there some tips in there on your on your bread side and stuff? You know, where absolutely. We can come and learn a bit. Absolutely, Great. I'd be more than happy to share. Very good. Excellent, guys. Go and find Andrew. He's got a lot to offer. But uh, for now, sir, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate uh, appreciate chatting with you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Great. See you soon. Take care. Cheers. The Red, White, and Blue Jays podcast is a production of Blue Jays Fans UK. If you've got a Blue Jays story to share, let us know. Email us at bluejaysfansuk at gmail.com. And follow along on Twitter and Instagram at bluejaysfansuk. I'm your announcer, Jim Langton. Thanks for listening.